0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is up there, hikers? This is Andy, and you're listening to the podcast that gets to know the hiker behind the trekking poles. The podcast that asks the why questions of hiking and asks the hiker, how has hiking changed you? And how are you changing the world around you? That's right. You're listening to the Hiker Podcast. Hiker Podcast is brought to you by CS Instant Coffee and Canuck Outdoors for the best instant coffee in the outdoors. I know because I've tried them all. CS Instant Coffee. Use the promo code Hiker Podcast for 10% off. Also, Canuck Outdoors, based in Portland, Oregon, where they hand make the carbon fiber cork trekking poles. If you'd like a pair of cork or any kind of trekking poles they have that are new uh, from Canuck Outdoors, use the uh, promo code Hacker Podcast upon checkout. And uh, yeah. You get yourself a pair of Kanak uh, Outdoor Trekking Poles handmade in Portland, Oregon. Big thank you to our sponsors for being so amazing to us. Also, big thank you to the Patreons of the show who make it possible. Patreon is a program where you can choose to support creators so they can have a little more time to create and uh, not work for the man, as they say. Big thank you to, of course, Ava, Annette, Renee, Chad, Alistair. Stephanie, Mike, Danielle, Cade, Daniel, Ren, Jacob, Tommy, and Deb uh, for being amazing Patreon patrons. Super helpful guys. Thank you so much. Super excited for this week's show. A few weeks ago, I put on a, uh, on my Instagram, a question asking, who would you like to see on the show? And the answer I got the most, the most was abstract hikes. Um, you may know her from her art. You may know her from the Kula cloth. You may know her from stickers. Anyways, we have a great conversation. So without any further ado, my conversation with Abstract Heights. You've likely seen the work of our next guest on a Kula cloth or perhaps on Instagram or most recently on Outside Magazine on their website. Our next guest is known as Abstract Heights, Alina Drufovka is on the show. She is an artist, a hiker, and I'm so excited to have her on. Thank you, Lena, for coming on. How are you doing today?
1: Thanks so much for having me, Andy. I'm doing good.
0: So I like to just before we kind of get the conversating, hikers like to know kind of your background. What What is it the things that hikers like to know that, that you could tell us? You know, what how'd you get into hiking? How'd you start it? How'd you get to the outdoors? Just all those things that people like to know when they ask you about your background as a hiker.
1: Yeah, so I got into the outdoors when I was 13 years old. I used to go to a summer camp in New Jersey, and they had an optional two-week trip hiking the Appalachian Trail and canoeing down the Delaware River. And just from that moment, I became obsessed specifically with through hiking the Appalachian Trail. So that was my life goal all throughout high school. I tried to graduate early from high school to through hike. That didn't really work out took a semester off of college to try to hike the Appalachian Trail, got injured halfway. Then I went back in 2017 and did through hike the Appalachian Trail. And then in 2018, I hiked the desert section of the Israel National Trail. And then 2019, I did about 1,800 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail. And then I also used to work as an outdoor guide.
0: And you also are an amazing artist. You're known for your art. And I, I just have to ask, you did the Appalachian Trail and you you, you talked about how that's the coolest thing going to a camp where you got to oh. hike to AT. That's just amazing. Um, what, what, what made you continue after the AT to the Israel National Trail, the desert section, and then the PCT?
1: Yeah, I mean, once I completed the Appalachian Trail, it was kind of what's next. And that is a really natural progression for hikers that complete one trail to do the next. I think they say it's either two two and through and then or one and done. So I just wanted to keep going. And the Appalachian Trail for me was really about the community and this childhood dream. But I really wanted to experience the splendor of the mountains out west and then Israel, I am half Jewish, and I always just had the desire to learn more about that culture and go back there. And I actually met my now partner on the Appalachian Trail, and he's also Jewish. So we thought it would be interesting to go experience Israel after we met on the Appalachian Trail.
0: Very cool. Now, we don't have a whole lot of guests who do international trails. Is there a, a on the Israel National Trail, is there a certain trail culture like you'd find on the AT or the PCT?
1: I honestly wouldn't know because I only came across like two other hikers when we were <laughs> out there. Um, I imagine that there is a lot of similarities since the Israel Trail was designed um, after the Appalachian Trail. There was an Israeli hiker who threw hike the Appalachian Trail and went back to Israel. It was like, huh, I should create that in Israel. Um, but that was so random. I mean, when we were hiking the Appalachian Trail, another hiker just randomly gave me a business card. Of this couple that owns a hostel in Israel near the trail, and somehow that ended up in my hands, and that's what got me attached to the idea. I just looked it up and saw it was on Nat Geo like top ten hikes in the world. I just attached myself to that as the next hike.
0: Very cool. So you've done those through hikes, and you're also an artist. How did you get into? your, your paintings and your, in your works, how'd you get into that? how did you know you were interested in being an artist and you had a knack for that?
1: Well, so I come from actually like a long line of painters, Colombian painters specifically. And I always have painted and done art since I was a little girl, but never really tried to do it professionally, professionally because you just hear that same trope of the broke artist and that you can't make a career out of it. So I never really tried until the pandemic. I always did it on the side. I always sold a few paintings every year, but I never gave it my all. And then during the pandemic, when that hit, um, my partner and I were in Costa Rica and we ended up getting stuck there and we couldn't get a returning flight. So we signed up for a repatriation flight with the embassy and it was just taking forever. And there wasn't much to do there since everything was shut down. They took it way more seriously than the United States, like every national park, every beach was shut down. And so late at night, I just started doodling since I brought a really small watercolor set. And through that, I was like, oh, it'd be fun to make some little trail designs. And it was just step by step um, with social media. More and more people seemed to like it. And then people started to commission art. And now I'm here and it's my full-time career somehow a year later.
0: And that is absolutely amazing to think how the pandemic, something, it's just, it's crappy. It's, there's, there's really just so much tragedy and horrible things have happened yeah. from that, that you are able to turn something into that, into a career, something you, you were doing as a hobby before, but now it's what you're doing to support yourself. So what yeah. is, what does life look like now as an artist in the outdoor and hiking community?
1: Well, it's really my dream career being able to align my passions for the outdoors and these stories of what brings people to the trail with painting. And it's been really therapeutic for me throughout the pandemic. Um, So yeah, I'm just thrilled that I get to do this as a full time career. I never envisioned doing it within the outdoor industry because before I started making this kind of art, I was making really abstract art, a lot of nude art. So it's a totally different path than I ever anticipated. And when I was in Costa Rica, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do for work when I got home. I was working a few jobs before I left for Costa Rica and everything was shut down. So I just feel really fortunate that this panned out. (laughs)
0: So describe for me the the moment where you kind of realize, wow, this can be a career. This could be something I could make a living off of and I don't have to do what I was doing before. Was there like an epiphany moment? Was it a slow burn? How did that transpire?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it was a slow build because in the beginning I was just like, oh, is this luck or oh, is it just because more people are on social media right now because of the pandemic? Like, is this going to be sustainable? So in the beginning, yeah, I wasn't really sure. So yeah, I would say it built up. But like each thing, like when I first designed a Kula cloth, that like gave me a lot of confidence. And like that was the first company I reached out to because I really liked their mission. I love that it was a small company, female run. And when they said yes to me designing a Kula cloth, that just gave me so much confidence to start asking other brands and other companies to collaborate, and then I just started getting so many commissions that I was like, "Oh wow, this really could be sustainable."
0: I have to say that at first cool cloth with one of my favorite people who have been on this show, Elena oh. Osborne. Like, she's—I was just so ecstatic. I didn't even know who you were. She she had posted like, "Oh my gosh, like this is just amazing." The art that she is doing. I discovered your stuff, and it was just blew my mind what you were doing and what's been the reception from the hiking community to your art and as you've as you've gained more traction over this last year
1: Everyone's just so supportive and that's what I just love about the hiking community like of course in any community there's drama and maybe some unkind people but in general everyone has just been so supportive whether that's like commissioning a painting or buying a sticker or simply just sharing my art I mean This whole, my whole career is only possible because people keep sharing my art and keep commissioning paintings. And I just love the enthusiasm. And since I've only been doing this for about a year, it's like really cool the people who've been like following me from the beginning, from when, you know, I was throwing a little giveaway meme contest with Hiker Royalty and had five designs to like now I've made hundreds of paintings in a year. And, you know, today I'm on Outside Magazine. Like it's just, really cool that the slow build has paid off and everyone has just been really kind and supportive
0: i, I love on your website you have a, a mission a mission statement for what you do in yourself is help promote and reconnect people with their journeys in the wilderness through art commemorate yeah. life on the trail and the culture of long distance backpacking and promote diversity in the outdoors i kind of want to talk through that last one just for a minute here Promote diversity in the outdoors. Um, as a as a woman, as a woman of color, and a, a woman of Jewish descent, I, I'm sure you've had to deal with that on the trail and in the outdoor community. In what ways um, is the outdoor and hiking community really making headway in diversity? And wh- where else do we need to go? Uh, what else do we need to do to really make everything more equal and just in our community and in the world?
1: Mm, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's really been great to see this year, like this huge call to action for diversity and inclusion in outdoor spaces. Because when I graduated from college, my first job was working for an outdoor education company called Knowles as a diversity and inclusion fellow. And, you know, it was a super open ended fellowship and not many other outdoor companies had anything like that. And it was always something I was interested in just from in virtue of being out on trail and just not seeing many people that looked like me. When I first started getting into long distance backpacking, I didn't even see many women. And that definitely changed. But still, like I'll go six months on the Appalachian Trail and only see like two people of color. And so it's really exciting this year, the momentum, um, that's been gained and all these outdoor companies, like really caring about representation. And it really feels like a movement. I guess what I'm excited to see is to see if this is just what's happening on social media and to see if it really is going to infiltrate the trail culture. And for me as an artist, I started to really think about it critically after I made like my first batches of designs. Because when I was in Costa Rica designing... You know, these fun little quirky hiker designs. I was trying to think, okay, what will be like marketable to the through hiker community? And I was mostly painting, you know, white guys with beards. And even as a woman of color, I had to look back at my own art critically and be like, oh, is my art diverse? Like, what message is this sending? And it's definitely something I try to be intentional about. But it's really exciting to see this area where I've been passionate about for so long, you know, the outdoors, through hiking, and seeing that hopefully changing and yeah it's been really exciting this year i've been working with a group of other through hikers of color to start something called unfilter um and we're hoping to provide both mentorship and scholarship to hikers of color and lgbtq um to get scholarships to go out through hiking and hopefully on smaller adventures as well
0: so for myself as you know pretty much as a typical wasp as you can get white Anglo Saxon, for <laughs> formerly a Protestant. I have an epic beard. I do. I know I'm I'm cisgendered straight. I want to support those those communities that that are not included. Um you mm-hmm. know, the LGBTQ community, um, you know, indigenous people of color but there's this temptation to just give lip service to it, to just mm-hmm. want to seem woke because you want the likes on the gram or you don't want to get, quote unquote, cancelled. Yeah. How can people who are in a privileged position like myself really support artists in the outdoor community who are in those um, those unrepresented groups and to elevate their voices?
1: I mean, I think you're doing it right now. I mean, you're using your podcast. You have a choice what guest you pick and, you know, picking guests that show that diversity of what we want the trail to be and representation definitely matters. So I think that's one step. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely need to look critically at the trail culture. For example, gear culture. I mean, if you go on YouTube and look up like gear packing lists for a long distance trail, I don't really go on YouTube much, but I envision that what you're going to see is a lot of like ultra light, very expensive packing list that costs $5,000 just to get started. And like the reality is like anyone can go outside the barriers to entry aren't much like, and I think it's really important as a culture that we're not promoting that you need a $10,000 gear set to go hike the trail because you really don't.
0: And there is nothing wrong with discount gear or used gear. I keep trying to tell people that they see the, these videos. They're like, oh, I got to get you know, this ultralight, you know, whatever, you know, big Agnes. 10. And I'm like, you know what? Go to your, you know, your REI garage sale. Go to a regular garage sale. Go on Facebook Marketplace. You know, there's there's better options out there. There really are. And some people, they, they see, you know, some great YouTubers out there who have even been on the show and they're using this gear and they want to do it. And it's like, that might not be right for you.
1: I yeah. It- I mean, that's kind of been my concern with the whole through hiking culture and how it shifted. I mean, I have no problem if people want to be ultra light and they want to hike 40 miles a day. I just don't think that's accessible to your average person. So when the people who are doing that, their stories are amplified. I think it can be challenging and shift the culture
0: exactly exactly because I ain't going for I'm I'm going 40 miles in four days you know it's
1: yeah I know I mean like when I threw like the AT I was like averaging like 13 miles a day I only did one because I got injured the first time so when I went back I was super intentional about pacing myself and I was I only did one 20 mile day in 2017 when I went back to through like the trail but it's like if you just look up stuff about through hiking you're gonna find a lot of people who are doing 30 plus days which there's nothing wrong with that but it just makes the culture less accessible
0: and it's funny how that's permeated the culture as well because i'm getting ready for my first through hike on the tahoe rim trail and i plan for it two weeks average 12 miles a day and people like oh no you could do 25 25 miles no no i want to enjoy it. it's a beautiful area i i grew up going to tahoe so i know i want to soak it in but same time I'm a big guy who doesn't have, you know, I do some ba- overnight backpacking and, and, and day hiking, you know, several times a week. But I'm just thinking after day two, without those through hiking legs, I'm well, going to be dying if I do 20, 30 miles the first
1: day. It's, yeah, yeah, and there's no weather window. So take your time. I mean, that's exactly. the tricky about through hiking is there is the weather window. So you can't just be chilling every day and taking hundreds of zeros. But there's a million ways to do a through hike.
0: Exactly. Let's shift gears here a little bit. I want to talk a little yeah. bit about your your process as an artist. What does it look like from whether it's a commission or just something that you have an idea from conception in your mind or a person who's hired in his mind to getting on paper to being digitized to getting on the final product?
1: Okay, yeah. So if someone commissions something, You know, they're generally sending me an inquiry email and I ask them to send me all the details of their journey, which for some people, they just send me a couple photos and like, I hiked the Appalachian Trail. While for other people, it may be a 30 page Google talk, Google doc, chronicling everything that happened on their through hike, which is like totally fine too. Um, But for me, the process, like once I see the initial information from them and get the photos, I probably spend three plus hours in the bath just conceptualizing and thinking through how I want to make this painting. And that's what's funny. I think people see me make the art and like, Oh, it only takes a couple days, this or that. But I spend a couple days just thinking about conceptually the layout of it. Um, So from there, once I have the idea, I'll generally like inform the person commissioning it what I'm thinking, but it's really hard because in the beginning, I wanted to give people like a rough draft or some kind of initial sketch to make sure they liked the idea. But it's kind of hard for me. It's like, I kind of compare it to when I was in college and you're supposed to make like a draft of your paper outline first. And that just like never worked for me. Like I very much just like to go with the flow and like let it develop as it goes. So I've been doing that less. Um, and then I'm a total night owl, which sometimes can be problematic, but I will stay up all night painting. And once I get a good flow, like I just will not stop.
0: And what, what is it that, inspires you to create something on your own apart from maybe a commission? Was there
1: yeah. a, an
0: instance where like you saw something and it inspired you and you just started drawing?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I try to find a really good balance between doing art for other people, whether that's, you know, a commission or a logo and then, yeah, making sure I have time to make myself a painting. And I try to pay myself for that time by making, you know, maybe stickers of whatever I make. But yeah, I mean, I have a whole list on my computer of like 50 things right now that I want to paint just for me. And a lot of the things I end up painting for myself are self-portraits. And it's just a way for me to process my emotions, really. Um, It's very therapeutic. It helps me process all the time I've spent on trail because, you know, cumulatively, I spent years living out in the woods and... I think it's a lot for people to digest those experiences. And I think that's why people end up commissioning paintings, too, because, you know, you don't want to live in the past of it, but you want to memorialize it and you want to hold on in some ways to who you were on trail. I think a lot of people, that's the happiest they've been in their life and they want to hold on to that part of themselves. And that's what I try to do with my art.
0: So I didn't tell you this before I had you on the show, but a few weeks ago, i put out an instagram survey who do you want to see on the show give me ideas and you were oh, the number one name that came up No
1: way. abstract oh, hikes really abstract mean. hikes Ab-
0: we want to hear her story we want to, find- we want to hear you guys talk which was am- i'm
1: surprised honestly
0: absolutely amazing yeah like i i had I- seen your stuff but it was like wow like she really has this following i'm and as a, as I read more of your stuff and I, I look at more of your work, and myself uh, myself getting into you know freelancing, and I'm just now gotten into some some commission work. I had a, a, a local municipality pay me to go hiking these day hikes and take That's photographs awesome. and edit it. Where I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Where do you find the balance between going on these hikes to enjoy the hike, to enjoy the experience, and putting stuff away for work? if that makes mm. sense.
1: What do you mean by putting stuff away like, for work?
0: You're out on the trail and mm-hmm. you want to enjoy the trail, but at the same time, you have, you're have you cognizant in your mind. Oh, I, I I want to, I could use this for work. I can make this for this person. I can do this. I can, that work like yeah, balance on the trail. Yeah, I think what you're saying.
1: I think it's a little different since like the time I spent on the trail, it was before I did anything with social mm-hmm. media. And like, if I'm super honest, like I was probably the girl on trail judging people who were blogging and excessively <laughs> on social media. And I've, you know, I definitely have changed my tune on that the more that I dive into it and like understand that, like with everything in life, I call it CBA's cost benefit analysis. And, you know, while I do think that people who are constantly like recording their adventure are still in, work mode some ways when they're on trail like there's something lost there and you're a bit less present but at the end of the day if you can find a way to like make a living being outside and that requires creating some content more power to you um but I definitely was way more judgmental earlier in my life about that but yeah for me since like I'm not creating directly on trail it's a little different um but yeah I mean I still am like on top of being an artist like I'm have created my art career through social media and I do create content. Um, and it's a really hard balance to strike. Um, I think last summer I tried to do a lot of content while I was living out on the road and my boyfriend can attest to that he was starting to get annoyed with me about it. And like, for me, I was creating the foundation for what's my art career. And like, while I was less present at the time, it paid off. Um, but now, now that I've created that foundation, I feel like I can live a bit more of a balanced life and go out on trail and not see everything through an Instagram lens. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: <laughs> it absolutely does. And, and and speaking of Instagram, it's it's definitely a, a a huge part of the through hiking and just hiking and outdoor culture in general. There's this temptation yeah. to put a pretty filter on things.
1: But it's still so new. That's the thing. Like yeah. I AT in 2017. Like I met maybe like one or two people that were like vlogging, but it was like an anomaly. But now I feel like there's so many people trying to be content creators in this space.
0: Ex- exactly, and I'm I'm wondering for you, you. So much of your work you 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 put on Instagram mm-hmm. and Instagram everything. Uh, every, yeah, And I know for for me and probably for you, Instagram is a huge part of putting yourself out there where people find you and they they ask you to create content or they ask you to do sponsor posts mm-hmm. or whatever it has been for me. But do you feel that is a good thing or are we still at a point where we don't know? I mean I, for me I love I've always loved social media. I mean, you know I met my wife on MySpace, this full disclosure. Oh my God, that's so, <laughs> so, social media is you know a huge part of my life. It always has been but I can see where you know there's drama sometimes sometimes oh, yeah. you know it <laughs> things happen. Is it good for the hiking community? Or is it just a part of life we have to live with now?
1: Yeah, it's so tricky. And like, I've only been doing it for a year, but like, I think the problem is like, especially if you want to be a content creator on Instagram, it's like Instagram, like, from my understanding of the algorithm, rewards you for engaging more on Instagram. So it's like, if you want your posts seen more, and you have to be very active on Instagram. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then you become addicted. And I'm like so anal, so I'm very responsive. Like anyone who's listened to us, if they've ever DM'd me, they know that I respond. You ever comment on anything, I respond. Um, and it's because I care and because I know it's good for the algorithm and I want to com- communicate with the community. And yeah, I think it's hard because there's pros and cons. I mean, it's amazing. Just yesterday, you know, two girls that I met, through Instagram. Um, One, another artist actually who had commissioned a painting I went on a hike with yesterday here in Boulder, we had never met before and to be able to connect with people from all over the world. um, Through this little app, especially people I have similar interests with. And because I'm so nomadic, and it's hard to create community, it's like awesome that I can show up and live in Boulder for a few months this summer, and have a handful of people that I've built community with through Instagram and meet up with them. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely a dark side too. that, like anyone who's having success on Instagram, like unless they're hiring some kind of social media manager, they're probably spending upwards of many, many hours, maybe like five plus hours on Instagram, like at least to create that foundation. Like at some point they were spending an excessive amount of time.
0: Yeah, I look at my, uh, my, my weekly, uh, Oh yeah, screen screen report I get on my iPhone I'm like oh so much time on Instagram but it's like hours you think uh uh, daily probably four between four and six and I it it never it never feels that way and my 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 youngest daughter will be like daddy what are you doing I'm like oh I'm working she's like you're just on Instagram I'm like no I'm working this is really
1: work That's what's so hard. I think my boyfriend, I struggle with that too, because it's like, it's hard for other people to see it as work.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's a struggle to, you know, work the algorithm, but then you, you have a success, you have a breakthrough and a a big client comes through and you have it opens up more opportunities for you to get outside more and create more content.
1: Exactly. And if you weren't doing that, you know, your other job options, most likely in this day and age, you'd be behind some other screen, probably a computer screen um, for eight hours. So like, that's the perspective I try to keep because sometimes I get frustrated with how much content I feel like I need to produce and how much I need to be on Instagram. But then I envision jobs I did in the past. And what I would have to do which would require eight plus hours of screen time anyways but with this I get to go outside so for me it's definitely a net positive but I think my bigger concern beyond social media is just technology on the trail Um, that's just something I've noticed a lot like from doing these different through hikes like throughout different time periods um like going from when I was first on the Appalachian Trail as a kid and when I went in 2015 and did my first attempt um you know, everyone had paper maps and a guidebook. And if it said unreliable water source, like unless you saw someone coming southbound, you really didn't know you had to carry the water just in case. But now with apps like Gut Hooks, it can be pretty idiot proof on some of these trails, which is great because it does make it more accessible. But then, you know, instead of everyone hanging out by the campfire at the end of the night, there's a bunch of people in their tent watching Netflix. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's a little alarming to me.
0: Yeah. Now, would you say overall that where the hiking community is going with the technology is a net positive?
1: Oof. I don't know. I think it might be neutral. <laughs> I tend to think that, like, with everything, there's pros and cons, and it ends up balancing out. So it's like, Back in the day, yeah, like people were more present. And like I said, hanging out at that campfire um, and all talking instead of people being on Netflix. But back then it was a bit less accessible for your average person. And now like for me as a woman, like I feel way more empowered to go on trail because of technology, like these personal location beacons and to know I can go anywhere and at any moment, press an SOS button and a helicopter will come. That makes it way more accessible to way more people. So yeah, I'm gonna go with neutral. <laughs> I, I
0: I think I, I probably agree with you. I think it you, you can go either way. And uh, for me, like hiking, you know, with my with my kids, I just got you know the Garmin, and it's like just to have that security of knowing that we're gonna do yeah. something we've never done before. And if something happens, or if I get held up, I can text like I'm held up, or I can have a helicopter come you know lift us out of there. Um, it's definitely a relief, and we get to do more things. That we wouldn't have done before
1: yeah it's a game changer it's just the flip side is then like i said people feel more empowered which is a great thing unless they don't have the actual skills i know like when i was on the pct in 2019 tons of people were getting helicopter rescued um, from mount san jacinto mount Baden pal mm-hmm. people who had no experience you know using micro spikes and traversing in the snow but they felt empowered
0: <laughs> yeah that was a brutal year i was the first year i got in i got into hiking and i was a uh I just started getting hiking and I started doing some trail angel work uh, out here in Ashland. And yeah. it, it was just like, you know, snowpack was at 200% and all this other stuff. And people were flip-flopping and it was just like, wow, that was a, that, that was a crazy, crazy Yeah, year. it was
1: a mess. I definitely didn't pick the best year, but I don't know. I still, I'm happy I did it that year because I would have obviously never flipped if it wasn't for the snow. I would have just tried to go linearly. Um, but because of that, I was in Washington in July, which was the... Most beautiful place Gorgeous. I've ever been in my life, and I would not have gone those views or those wildflowers if I had just gone northbound.
0: Absolutely. So, you work with brands now, and you you you've, you're prevalent on social media. Do you feel that tension of creating for money, and you mm. know, I've ha- I've been accused of selling out.
1: <laughs> oh no. Like if people actually get like angry with you about Oh it?
0: yeah. It's like I used to follow you for this, and now you do these sponsored posts. And I'm like, sorry. It's crazy I, that I,
1: people I, feel entitled to you just like creating indefinitely for free.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and I, I have I have a pretty strict policy I laid out for myself when after I got my first request. I was like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. Big thing for me is, you know, it's something I'm going to use. Are they paying me, you know, fairly? That sort of thing. Are they a, a organization that are environmentally responsible and are you know promoting equity mm. um but still people get real upset because like man you, you, you sold out man you, you feel that tension as the outdoors and the hiking in the trails is being commodified by mm. by a billion dollar industry the, the the outdoor industry is a billion dollar industry
1: yeah. I mean, I just, I don't get why people get like angry about it or that they would like say to you, like you're selling out. It's like, if they don't like the content you're creating anymore, they can just unfollow you. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know why they feel so entitled to like your time and energy and that capacity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think with social media, I think I struggle more with like, just how vulnerable to be. Um, Mm -hmm. because like on social media that you get way more likes and engagement if you share really vulnerable parts of yourself and it's really hard to find that balance, especially yeah. With cancel culture, it's like, if you're really vulnerable, it just opens you up to more critique. Um, but no, I haven't been accused of like selling out or anything like that, but I actually haven't done any sponsored content. So like, yeah, like brands pay me to make a logo or a design, um, but in terms of like, them giving me products and me sponsoring that I've only like had one small thing. And I only agree to do things in my story, not in my main feed, just because no one's offered me enough to make that worthwhile. And it's like, I am kind of my own brand. Um, So it's different. But yeah, if a company wants to send me $200 headphones and all they want me to do is post something in my story for two seconds, like, sure, <laughs> which I've done, like, <laughs> easy. And, and there's
0: nothing wrong with that. And, you know, some people might not like that. And that's fine for you. And it's it's super easy to, I think, for people to to judge um, and call people sell it or whatever. But you know what? This is what we want to do. We are in this new age or the pandemic in the, at least the United States is winding down and we're all kind of deciding, what are we going to do with our lives now? We have all these opportunities we can create. We've, we found new passions, new loves for me, hiking and, and creating, um, they kind of fell together. It's like, wow, I have, I love the outdoors and I love, you know, I love film and photography. I can bring these two together and, don't judge people for that i think that's that's totally cool that's why i love your work and You're if just you so... want to
1: judge them just don't follow them exactly <laughs> no, don't support them and don't like their stuff like it's that simple
0: um where 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 are you going now what's 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 the plan for abstract hikes now is you've gotten some tra- a lot of traction over the last year and everybody seems to be sharing your stuff and you you just uh you kind of become a mainstay Within at least the Instagram outdoor community. What's, what's next for you lush. now? I mean, it's, it, it's true. <laughs> and I, I look at that old survey, the number one request was to have abstract hikes I don't on the show. You. It yeah. happened. It happened.
1: I feel like I'm not that interesting, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's I just take it one day at a time. I mean, this project with outside was like a dream project and that like I've been wanting to work with them. And then on top of it, you know, being about diversity and inclusion and these new influencers in the outdoor space, like just the topic of the article, too. You know, it's just like the perfect fit. So uh, it's been really great to like not only am I doing projects like with the companies that I'd want to, but like the projects are related to things like DEI, which I'm passionate about. But yeah, I mean, going forward, I think I've been thinking really critically about the direction for a few months now, because I've been really fortunate that just the flow of the commissions has never stopped. Like since I started, there's really only been one day that I actually caught up to the amount of commissions I had. And that day, one guy commissioned three paintings. (laughs) So I've been very, very lucky and like blessed with that. But at the same time, yeah, I still want to be able to carve out that time for my own projects because it's just a totally different ballgame when someone's commissioning something and there's this expectation for a final product that they're going to love and is going to be in line with my style. And I do feel like I've pigeonholed myself a little bit within the kind of sty- illustrative style I've been doing. While, well, like I said, before any of this, I was an abstract artist. I also used to do abstract landscapes on wood. I used to do nude art. Um, and so I'm not doing as many different styles and I definitely want to keep experimenting with my art. So yeah, I think I do need to intentionally block out more time where I'm not doing commission work. I have so many different ideas of things I want to paint. And like, mainly like, I would love to block out like a month to do just like a giant, really intricate painting of whatever the heck I want. Um, but it's really hard to turn down work, and it just doesn't stop, which is a blessing and a curse, I suppose.
0: I, I feel you on creatively. that. You're like, I want to go out and create something that's mine, but it's like I have the stack of work and I have the stack of bills, and it's like, well, let's knock this out and um, still try to put your own creativity and ideas in those things. It's it's a struggle. It's a it's a tension.
1: Yeah, and that's why with, like, the sponsored stuff, which, like, I haven't done much of that at all, but, like, if that if those opportunities come my way and as companies I align with, like, why not? That ends up giving me money, which gives you time and freedom to create the things you want, and people want me creating those things. So, if anything, people, yeah, should be happy when creators get those sponsored opportunities as long as it's not something that's terrible for the world.
0: Yeah. So, I like to ask every hiker this. Ultimately, how has hiking changed you
1: Mm. yeah that's a good question i think it's hard because i got into it so young that, like beyond how hiking changed me like hiking is me now um but yeah for me getting into it at 13 like when i envision what my life would have looked like if i hadn't gotten into hiking like i feel like my whole life path from like where i live where i went to school who i dated like everything would have played out differently because this wasn't the life trajectory that anyone you know, thought I was headed in this direction. Since I grew up in Center City, Philadelphia, I don't come from an outdoorsy family. Like this isn't something that my family does or understands or honestly even respected in the beginning. It's like, it's so nice that like, I found a career that aligns with this. And I've had like, more I guess traditional success with it recently because for a long time you know my family and friends like all right Alina's just gonna like keep going and living in the woods I guess um what is she gonna do for like a career so it's really great that it all finally came together because there was a lot of soul-searching years where I really wasn't sure what I was gonna do professionally and if I was gonna have to like sell out to corporate America to have that kind of life stability but yeah I think hiking has just giving me a lot of confidence and a lot of peace in this life and just ultimately has been my main therapeutic tool for dealing with life
0: thank you so much for coming on and being vulnerable and talking about your journey if people want to follow your stuff or or see more about you where would they go
1: yeah, I mean, Instagram is probably the best place to be up to date, and that's just at abstract.hikes. And then my website is throughdesigns.com, and through is spelled T H R U.
0: Elena, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and sharing your story.
1: Yeah, thank you, Andy. It was great to be on.
0: Big thank you to Elena for coming on the show. Everyone, make sure you follow her on Instagram, abstracthikes. Also, buy her stuff. Go to the link in her bio on Instagram and buy stickers and all that fun stuff. Um, we had an amazing conversation. Hope to have her on the show again. Also, a big thank you to the sponsors of this show CS Instant Coffee and Canuck Outdoors. Uh, all the information for what they do is in the description of this episode. If you want to hear more from me or know more about the show, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Andy Films and Hikes. Also, go to hikerpodcast.com for any information about where to listen. We're constantly being added to new platforms. So it's not all on there. I have like six different ways you can listen on there. I keep finding out more. So there's just a search. You can just search the Hiker Podcast and you'll find stuff. But yeah, hikerpodcast.com, all of our stuff is there. And uh, just very thankful to everyone for being so cool to me. Um, also, just a quick little reminder, as you're going into the outdoors, as you're enjoying the public lands, remember to leave no trace. As I tell my kids, Take only pictures, leave only footprints. There's only one Earth. We only get one, so make sure you take care of it. Um, and, and whatever you do, in your purchasing decisions and how you're treating the land as you're on it, whether you're hiking, camping, backpacking, kayaking, climbing, just leave no trace and uh, you know protect public lands. With that, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. And may I never be found I